0: Hello everyone, welcome to episode 25 of Syncing with ServiceNow. I'm your host, Andy Whiteside. My crowd, my team, uh, the panel is growing. Of course, uh, Fred Reynolds is with us. Fred runs the Modern Apps practice, which includes ServiceNow at Zentegra. Fred, how's it going? Doing wonderful. Andy, how are you doing today? I am. I'm, I'm good. This is Podcast Monday. This is you know Monday. I'm anywhere between two to six podcasts, and I think I just added another one this morning. Um, I find stuff I want to talk to people about, and I make a podcast out of it. And the next thing I know, I wonder why my Mondays are just. Just vanish on me. Well, uh,
1: look how
0: many new things you learn every Monday. I do learn a lot. That's that's the important part. Um, that's kind of the tagline for the podcast is, uh, you know, uh, t- talking about service now, but with context around it with this group of people, which really goes a long way. And hopefully people are getting a lot of value out of these. Uh, today is uh, November 6, 2023. And uh, we've got, pod- got a blog we're going to review here in just a second. But Fred, uh, I wanna, I'm going to introduce Becky, uh, Becky Whiten, because Becky's been with us a couple of times. And Becky's one of our uh, consultants and architects. Uh Becky how's it going?
2: It's going good.
0: Yeah. Happy Monday. Becky's always cheering when we go on these things too. <laughs> uh that's it, it, uplifting. Uh Fred, you've got two new members of your team on and I'm going to ask you to introduce them uh and help uh, help us understand better why they're at Zintegra and what they're doing with us.
1: Yeah, I'm extremely excited today. So Eddie McDonald started today at Zintegra. He is our um Eddie's got 11 plus years in ServiceNow ecosystem, he's done a lot of different roles, and Eddie, I might let you explain a little bit about those, um, but but I'll, I'll pause on that and go to John real quick. John, um, John, pronounce your last name, is it Dole? Oh, yes. Oh, okay, yeah. good. He's a senior developer with, again, over 10 years of ServiceNow experience too, so real quickly, I want to do justice by it, so Eddie, can of explain a little bit about your history in just a minute?
3: Oh, thanks, Fred, and thanks, Andy. Um... Yeah, 11 years. This this month, actually, I've um, had a number of roles as a developer and engagement manager. I was a sales leader. Um, Pretty much ServiceNow is all I know. If ServiceNow goes out of business, I got to sell shoes or something. I have no idea what I'll do next. But uh, yeah, I am a one-trick pony as far as that goes. I am all in on ServiceNow.
0: Well, one-trick pony in ServiceNow is saying, well, first of all, 11 years I mean, you don't meet people very often that have double digit years with service.
3: Now, how long's the how long's the product really 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 been go to market? <laughs> so, I I started, well, okay, so so Becky brought in Kristen who brought in me. So, I came in in Berlin. So, Becky was probably there before they even had city names.
1: Well, service so, yeah, just about time. 20 years, right? But I think you you hey, you make a great point there and I'm going to point this out there's not a lot of people that's been around this ecosystem for over 10 years. Right. And our team, as you see, as we keep bringing more and more people to it, we are that team, right? We're bringing on more and more powerhouse people that's got over those 10 years experience in it. Becky,
0: uh, you, you're probably the right person to tell us this story. How did, how did Eddie find his way into the service now world and when?
2: Oh. Um, well, through Kristen, really. Um, so I brought Kristen in and then Kristen brought, Eddie was like, what are you working on? What are you doing? And so forth. And so, you know, ServiceNow is fairly easy to get started into. And there's so many different avenues, whether or not you're a project manager or you're a developer, uh, different roles and so forth. And, uh, you know, you could start out at one thing and then really move uh, into and grow into uh, another role onto it. And so I think that's kind of where Eddie um, started. So Kristen helped him um, as well and brought him in. And he learned a lot about ServiceNow, as she did. <laughs> um, and it's grown. And honestly, you know, we're just, you're, you're looking at this as a small batch, but I, my son is in it. My niece is in it. I, we have brought, you know, I have another sister that's family. in it. So yes. Yeah. yeah. It grows.
0: I, I kind of don't know what the from there. Is It because of the um so Eddie, let's let's go to Eddie we're quick. John, we'll we'll get to you in a second. Uh, Eddie, what what was it about ServiceNow
3: that got you from doing whatever you're doing before? Well, first of all, what you're doing before, was it technical or not technical? It was semi-technical. I was actually a I was a construction designer. So I, I spent a lot of time on a laptop, but I did it was uh, you could actually feel and touch the things I was building. Yeah. What, what was the thing that got you into service now and what's the thing that's kept you in service now? You know what? It's universal. The thing that got me into service now was the ability to take care of the mundane task in my Previous job working in the construction design, everything was about emails and phone calls, and it was always chasing my tail. And the first thing that Kristen did, she literally brought a whiteboard into my house, and she, with a magic marker and a whiteboard, was white, was working it out how we can automate these tasks. And I was thinking, how would this would apply to my current job? But then I started, I really immediately through Kristen and then through Becky, understood how this can scale and the opportunity that was in front of me. So I learned how to bang out some JavaScript and I did that and uh, and just started from there. It's just kind of scaled up.
0: Yeah, Oh, no, that's awesome.
3: Uh, Becky, that reminds me, I don't know
0: if we have your origin story recorded in here or not, but we will come back to that one. Maybe, maybe bring that one up next time. So John, um, where did you come from?
4: Boy, that's a good question. I I've still been trying to figure that out for the last twenty five or so years. I did process engineering. I was doing some service delivery uh, consulting right around the year two thousand. Had some questions about why decisions were being made the way they were. I took a contract to try to learn from the business side, and I ended up in a Fortune fifty company where I touched on a whole lot of pieces across the enterprise and. uh, Uh, got really good at at getting in there and getting my hands on different pieces. And when the opportunity came up for ServiceNow, this was back in the Calgary days. I think we did our assessment on Calgary and deployed to Dublin. Um, At at that point, I jumped in and led a QA team. Um, Since then, I have uh, managed the development team. I've done some solution design development and architecture. I've done just about everything there is to do. Um, You know, I I tend to be a, a hands on technical kind of guy, so I yeah. I really enjoy building the toys.
0: Is your education background technical, technology, information technology, IS, or something else?
4: Um, originally electrical engineering. Um, uh, okay. went back to school for some for some business management. Um, yeah, but uh, yeah, I've been in yeah. IT for my entire career.
0: Well, I think that's the thing. And I don't know Becky, you mentioned several uh, family members that are in service now. And now, and I, you know, were they all technical? Maybe, maybe not. Do you have to be? Doesn't sound like it.
2: My son was an airplane pilot. And yeah. <laughs> that's what he went to school for. <laughs> right.
3: Yeah, that's awesome. And, and conversely, Andy, we actually did the opposite. We bred our son to be an IT, who is also a service now de- a developer. From day one, I remember flashcards. This is an if-then statement.
0: <laughs> uh, you know what? I've met him, and he's a great kid, and I also believe that, what you just said. He really, Thanks. really seems to be ahead of the curve. Yeah, he 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 seems to relish in it too. All right. Well, we need to get on with our topic here. So Becky, you brought a blog and I'm going to share my screen here and show it to everyone. Becky, why did you choose? Well, let me read the name of it. I think I'd be more prepared. Here we go. Uh, The name of the blog, and it's from November 2nd of this year. There's an app for that how low-code tools boost finance productivity. I think this goes hand-in-hand with hand, what we were just talking about. Uh, low-code, no-code really has changed the uh, the landscape of who can be in IT. Becky, why did you choose this, uh, this blog from Alyssa Fox? A uh,
2: couple of reasons. One is because... ServiceNow just released it this week. Um, The other thing, and it was at the top of the list of the blog list. Um, The other reason is because we currently have a customer that we are internally looking at doing some application development for. um, And a lot of times you want to go out and look in uh, out there in the store and see if someone's already built it and there's something that you could build upon uh, that they've provided. But um, ServiceNow is great because it is not just an ITSM tool. It is truly a platform. And this is going to show you that uh, if you have things in spreadsheets or different particular areas, that you can easily get it into ServiceNow.
0: Yeah. You think people come here still running their business out of spreadsheets? Definitely. Definitely. Yeah, exactly. Well, Fred and I are heading to uh, New York tomorrow afternoon. And I think, uh, you know, talk about the home of finance. Uh, And watching those uh, organizations adopt ServiceNow as part of their, you know, the the finance part of their business or their entire business, uh, certainly going to have a lot of those conversations this week. Fred, uh, what what do you find most interesting in having a conversation around the finance side of how to use ServiceNow?
1: Well, I think it's really how this whole blog starts off, and it's just talking about the the use cases and starting to get the citizens developers in there, like the people who work in those places. I'll tie it to this. No matter what industry you're in, no matter what organization you're in, I think this platform gives you the ability with low code to really take those resources that know how to do the work and start building it into they're building from their use cases to build automation around that. Fred, so, when you say the work, you're talking about the actual business at
0: hand, not I'm just right. the technology. Those right.
1: mundane tasks that Eddie was talking about, all these things become repeatable mundane tasks that some people do, right? It's a and and some customers' businesses, I guess, make it really complicated. They make very hard processes and and, and just make it so hard. That's why they end up keeping that Excel that they created so many years ago, right? But that just breaks every bit of that process in the end. Yeah, uh,
0: users developing IT within Excel is
1: a big reason why that stuff's so sticky in the
0: business. Having users be part of IT sounds like sounds like the answer, right, Eddie?
3: It well, it really does, and I think Fred touched on it right there with the citizen developer. and what that means is that a citizen developer is anybody who can build an application, and ServiceNow has done it with their low code that it's drag and drop. So you don't have to wait on IT to build something for you. You can take control of your work and create an application that's going to help you be more productive. Yeah. John, any uh, firsthand
0: examples of working with finance
3: organizations?
4: Uh, I spent about 11 years in an insurance company, a Fortune 50 insurance company. Um, So a little bit here and there. Spreadsheets. definitely a big part of it. Um, In fact, in the insurance world, there are still organizations running mainframes from the fifties because there's nobody left to figure out how to reproduce it. So, you know, that, that complexity that gets added over time and the lost expertise really is a big factor in that. And it gets to be very costly. So if you can take that step back and, and really look at your process and try to figure out how to simplify things, and create something that just does what you need it to do without going through all of the extra hoops uh, can definitely save a lot of time and money.
0: I mean, this is really at the heart of digital transformation. There's, there's tons of companies. Digital transformation is moving to the cloud. It's moving to different storage arrays and different types of compute workloads. But the truth is, digital transformation is taking those mundane user-oriented things
1: and optimizing them digitally, isn't it? Yeah, I believe so. I think that's part of the reason why people have a lot of failed attempts at digital transformation. To actually transform means you need to change something or do something about it. And too many people move in those projects and they're like, nope, I like the process I have. It would break too much to change that. Or, hey, I like that Excel or I like this, right? They'll never make it to that, right? I think that's, that's the most powerful thing about ServiceNow, in my opinion, because you can either create it within it or you can integrate it to it. One way or the other, you're building a workflow that can actually transform the way you do business and, and make it more efficient.
0: So Becky, they have the uh, the opening paragraph or the opening section here. The next section talks about optimizing communication. How is the citizen developer getting those mundane tasks and technologies and and, and business process into service now going to help with optimizing communication?
2: So along with creating um, their workflow that they can do, um, they could create a catalog item out there onto the portal. They could use the chat. Uh, piece, they can have the email into the workflows um, that occurs based upon, you know, tasks being resolved or whatever that it is um, throughout their process. And so that will keep those communication lines open. A lot of people, you know, it's something stuck into a spreadsheet or it's on somebody's desk and they have no clue of where it's at, what's going on with it, any insight into things. And so this really opens that up, not only for them to be able to go in and either look at their request or that task, um, maybe that they submitted or that they are assigned to either way, um, but also it opens up the communication of that if there's some additional information that they may need to add in or just know about it um, is great. You know, I've heard so many companies where you go in and maybe you're doing a workshop with them and they say, oh, well, once we submit this, it's in the black hole. And uh, black hole, (laughs) and they just have no insight to it. They, you know, whenever it comes out of that black hole, then that's whenever they're aware of it. Right. So. Fred,
0: you have specific examples of how when you moved your former employer into um, into
1: service now that communication improved? Well, I think the communication piece is interesting to me because that is such an important piece of any of these processes. I mean, I think what Becky said, that's what everybody visualizes. I did my part, it went to this black hole and whoever didn't follow up or didn't do it, that's their problem, right? I think that's what it's stressing here. You have to create something within this platform, whether it be a form or whether it be a workflow or a process that ties it together. When it comes to to I want to ask you a question here in a second, and I just want to get this point out. Sure. When you go, when we meet with our customer base, that's what I love about this. We have a lot of, a lot of uh, time in the industry, a lot of experience with this type of stuff. Between so Becky, John, Eddie, myself, and everybody, we've we've been in this situation. We go to these meetings, like Becky and I did the other day. Some customers know how they communicate. It could be just email. It could be we don't use email. We use Slack. We use Teams. We use all this and other what we should really do is make sure we understand what the outcome of that's going to be. And you can have all those things, right? If you want to take the time to integrate those and make those work together, the point is how to use that communication and make it and streamline and make it optimize what you're trying to do. Right. And and you saw firsthand this happen in your former employer. Yes. Multiple times. I think those are some of the hardest challenges to break down is some of the communication and force of process. It's funny. Eddie and I were talking about this earlier today. The reason You break through those things as you make a way that you can measure the success around that in a way to enforce some of that behavior. That's how we saw it was basically saying, this is the way you do it. We took metrics around that and we showcased those metrics to be able to drive that behavior. Yeah. I mean, it probably makes sense to say getting this stuff into a
0: platform that is enabled for in this case, finance workflows is the only way you're going to pull it out of the, you know, the, the cold hands of those people who built whatever that old workflow is. Absolutely. Eddie, um, customer projects in the past where you've seen communication uplift because of this move in this direction?
3: Well, it's, you know, when you say communication, there's so many different points. You know, Becky was talking about chats and emails that can be automatically logged into the tickets, but there's also the, the workflow communication, you know, automatic task creation that keeps you from having to make that phone call or send that email that is straight up increased productivity along with accountability So the communication aspects of service now are are just, they're unimpeachable. They are the best in the industry and what that best, and again, it's also about liability. We're also talking about finance here to be able to capture those conversations or those emails into that ticket. If we ever have to review that at a later date, it's all in one place, easy to track.
0: Well, yes, and that's super huge. It's one thing to get things done in the moment. It's another thing to understand later how you got got to that point. Um, John, um, any any firsthand experience on how you've seen communic- getting getting technology, getting the data, getting the workflow into a a platform like ServiceNow uh, has improved
4: communication across organizations. Um. When it's done properly, yes, absolutely. You know, One of the challenges that I've seen is, is somebody will look at ServiceNow and say, hey, what a great tool. Let's go jump to that, but let's make it look and feel exactly like the, the solution that we're trying to get away from. Yeah. And what ends up happening is you get kind of close to what you used to have, which wasn't quite what you wanted anyway. And so you end up with more confusion and more disruption. But if, like I said before, if you can simplify that process, just figure out the basics of what you need. What are the milestones and the artifacts that you need to get the job done? Put it into service now. And like Eddie was saying, all of those automated tasks, all the activities that just happen they're not waiting in somebody's inbox for somebody to respond and say, yeah, go ahead. Um, it, It incredibly saves a lot of time.
0: Well, John, I think you just took us into the next section, which is great. Um, optimizing, taking a chance, taking the opportunity to take the 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 old process and rebooting it totally if necessary while streamlining it and adding the communication pieces. And that seems like the ultimate goal, isn't it?
4: Absolutely. Yeah. If if a customer's willing to pay for it, go ahead and do it. If a regulator requires it, go ahead and do it. If the CEO wants it, then maybe you do it. But there's a lot of things that we do because somebody asked for it at one point and maybe that person's not there and we don't know why we're doing it anymore. We don't know what value it's adding. It's just something that we've always done. And, you know, if we can if we can break that down and simplify it, it makes everybody happy.
0: Uh, Becky, your thoughts on the uh, the streamlining conversation?
2: Yep, I agree. I think just looking, understanding their process, understanding their pain points, because sometimes you don't. As, you know, John mentioned, you don't want to just duplicate. You want to see where you can better things. Um, there may be also processes where um, or in the workflow where we may need to integrate or have a task to do something specifically, um, call those steps out um, and so forth. So there's lots of areas where you can improve or um, think kind of outside of the box sometimes. And um, Sometimes the users or the people that you're talking to are just so used to, here's the way that we do it today, um, but yet we're not solving all of our problems. So if you step back, listen to what all needs to happen, make some suggestions there. I think you could really streamline a lot of the processes that different users have and help them out. Things that they may not have even thought about that the system could do, could do, could do that. Um, and possibly even automatically. It's not taking away all the jobs uh, and so forth because some people don't want to tell you certain things. So there's kind of a fine line there because they're too worried about their job. But really just understanding what all it is, talking about that and showing them how their time could be freed up to do some other particular areas that they might need to be in. (laughs) Hey, Becky, John, in this situation,
0: um, let's say you didn't get the process right and you had to reboot. Is it much more doable to reboot in this scenario or tweak at least than it would have been in the legacy model
2: so this this is an application that you're building just like you would uh change up incident or problem it's just stored into a specific uh app i guess you would say it so it's a lot like the same you can you know, if there was a mistake or you added something, you need to take it out. You can remove it. Um, normally, you would be working in your dev environment, and then as things uh, get done, you can push it to your test and on into your production. Yeah. So uh, it does. Think- it is forgiving. You can change, make changes back um, if you need it to.
0: Well, man, I guess maybe what I was thinking is when you when we've done it the legacy way, and somebody did it in a vacuum. They did it their way and that was it. And when it was time to evolve it or extend it out past that individual or that team, it it pretty much had no
4: future. So,
3: So, so Andy, I think it's important to know here. So they're talking about streamlining processes within this application. And you can see the second paragraph there where it's talking about automated notifications sent via email. hmm. But it's also important to remember the wider stance of process around ServiceNow that the platform is ITIL compliant out of the box, which means it follows best practice. And each conversation around the platform should always start with process first to make sure we're not going to build something that's going to break. So I love it that they included streamlining processes within this application, but it's also applicable to the platform overall.
1: Yeah. Well, let me just mention this too, because with everything they just said, that's I think that's the when you start the projects or just like they did, they broke into they want to start using this platform of finance. The first thing you really do, which is what I love we do in our workshops and I don't get to tend all of them, is really try to understand from that business, how do you do business today? right? What's today in the life of what you do? Now let's look at what it can be done out of the box and service now. Now you try to somewhere hit in the middle, right? If you're not changing your process or streamlining that process to make you more efficient, then why are you even spending the money to do any of that work? So to what John said, you're just redoing what you have today for what? The sake of saying you have a different tool? It's never going to get you anywhere.
4: And one of the things that I try to do in conversations is distinguish between a process and a procedure, Mm -hmm. right? So earlier I mentioned the idea of milestones and artifacts. What are the things that we need to achieve and what are the things we need to create? Those make up your process. And with each of those, you have key indicators that decide whether you were successful or if you took too long, or if you didn't meet the quality, whatever it is, that's your process. Then within each of those process steps you have a procedure how do i achieve or how do i create and you can swap out bits and pieces of process with the pro with what becky was talking about right we can go in there and change the code we can change the forms we can change all kinds of stuff to modify that process to meet our needs but at the same time we're retaining the same process we're changing the procedure we're retaining the same process all our measurements are the same we still know from last year to this year to next year, are we being successful consistently?
0: It, it just There's so much to me that uh, comes back to the fact you're doing this in a platform that others can see and, and advise along the way. And then as you guys are pointing out here, the ability to collaborate and streamline what would have been multiple steps to get other teams involved uh, becomes almost native, if you will. It's it's
4: great. You can send a task to another team, have them complete it, and you automatically get notified when it's done.
0: Yeah. yes, absolutely, yes, and potentially they're shadowing it along the way, ready to step in the moment it's their turn. Okay, uh, Becky. Last section here: deepening employment and get employee engagement. Uh, What do they cover here? What does this mean?
2: I think this is just more about bringing all the different either teams or people together. So before, if they were just utilizing, you know, their old process, maybe it's a spreadsheet uh, and so forth, then, you know, it's one person that's being able to look at something versus, um, uh, you know, uh, anybody being able to go out there or certain team members being able to go out there and see the process, where it's at, what's going on with it and so forth. So this is really um, bringing the employees, opening up them to be able to see more and more about uh, where something is at and and what's going on with it versus having to go find a spreadsheet and are tracking it down or tracking a piece of paper down. Um, A lot of people are still doing that today, but this will easily allow those uh, users, if they build something, they could utilize it. And then more and more teams our team members or employees would be able to see and have visibility into those particular areas as well.
1: well Anna, so, what, what better way to, to deepen the engagement of those employees than the employees themselves helping contribute to the development of what they use. Right. I mean, that's the key. Oh, yeah. They actually did it yeah. themselves. And it always takes me back to, you know, you some people bring you a problem with no solution and some people just bring you a problem. So all these people just bring you a problem, but they want to be part of helping that solution jump in and, and do some of this uh, development, right? The platform allows them to do that. Again, whether they have low skill in that area or a high skill, Eddie already mentioned a drag and drop. You can build workflows. You can do certain things with a little bit of help um, to do that. So I think that's the biggest part of saying deeper that employee engagement here means these were employees that built this. You got to remember the, the part of this blog, they built this in order to help optimize what they did to make them more efficient. So obviously the adaptation of what they did is all on them. Great way to look at it. Yeah, they, they they own it. They influenced
0: it. They control it. It's not IT anymore. It's it's the business and the different
1: parts of the business that are bringing, bringing this to market internal. Well, and I'm starting to see a little bit of a trend with that. We've met with a couple of customers. Fortunately, I get to meet with a lot of customers, and we met with a couple of customers recently that have absolutely adopted the citizen's development within their companies and within all the organizations. So every organization has a citizen developer within their organization. Everybody feeds it back through IT who owns the, you know, the, the uh, release path, right, and the standards and push from test to production and things. But again, they all have citizens, developers in the areas, and they're being very efficient in solving the use cases they have. Otherwise, you'd be like my formal workplace and have a backlog of 300 stories every day that you can't get out and get rid of.
2: And I think it also helps with, um, you know, before a lot of people don't like change. If they're involved with it and they're talking through these things and and their team members are the ones building it or helping to build it and giving feedback onto that, I think it really helps the process um, for them, you know?
0: Yes, you have enabled them. And, you know, imagine a world in IT where if we could have done this a long time ago, how much more digital transformation would have
3: happened? You know, I find it interesting that they're talking about employee engagement when it's such a difficult metric to actually measure outside of a survey. But with the example that they're using in the middle of this blurb with 22,000 employees on a spreadsheet, I would argue that the most disengaged employee would be the one reviewing a spreadsheet with 22,000 employees on it. And if you could (laughs) sidestep that, you know, the engagement is going to be far easier if there's automation around these tasks and there's, uh, there's tasks that are tracked versus just always head down into a spreadsheet or a Word doc. Right, right. Hey, John, your thoughts on this section?
4: Um, You know, I've... The the idea of having people more directly involved in creating the solutions that they're going to be using is absolutely great. Um, I, I've always had this kind of concern in the back of my mind about citizen developers where the, the pro coders, if you will, tend to be the incident responders, right? So the pro coders, they or the, the citizen developers build something and it looks great and it meets their needs and it gets deployed. And then you start asking for, well, can you make this tweak? Can we make that tweak? And next thing, you know, it has grown beyond the original design and it's grown beyond the capabilities of the low code, no code. So now we come to the development team and we say, hey, it's, it's not doing what we need to do. We needed to do this, but we haven't been involved in the discussions up front. none of the analysis and the solution design. And, and so there's always some risk there and it's important that the IT and citizen developers are working together from the beginning so that they can talk about what is it that we really need this to do and what kinds of things are we gonna want it to evolve into in the future. So we can start planning ahead of time and we can give them some suggestions on designs earlier in the process.
1: Yeah. And you
4: know, the, I want to come really... to that.
1: That's a very interesting take, John. I like that because you're coming from a developer, long-time developer mindset, right? And you're thinking that the pitfalls of some of that. I, I want to say that even from the ServiceNow platform itself, I would take it to that. I think that's the lot of why you're seeing all the different applications come out, especially say finance. Because they're taking industry standards and things that they've learned, right? And they're trying to build these out-of-box excuse, if you will, or applications that you can load that have the built-in workflows with them to try to save the people the time. So I equate it the same way. I think straight out of the box, people were trying to come up with this stuff. I think ServiceNow has been doing a really good job of trying to make applications that fit into these different positions, you know, Um, finance being one of those in this case. Sorry, Andy, to cut you off. Well, I was going to
0: bring up that this probably does a does a lot for iter- iterative development. When you think John, where you're not going back to IT requesting something, they can they can just do it, whatever their you know workflow and change control is.
4: As long okay. as the conditions, yes, so as long as the conditions that they're trying to uh, adjust to are within the capability of that low code solution, it's great. Yeah. So Becky, we'll let you
0: wrap this up. Uh, do you have? Do you have an example of a project you've been involved in where this really brought the users of the business, the the workers into IT and and enabled them to, uh, empowered them to be able to um, add value to the business from an IT perspective, even though they didn't come from an IT background?
2: I mean, most of the time they would get us to do it. So not necessarily them. Mm -hmm. Um, But I have been involved to where they've built a few things that were smaller, maybe they kept them in uh spreadsheets or access um database and they brought that um in, did a workflow, had some tasking of that, and then brought over that data uh, because the database was just not um working for them. Okay. And so yes, I do have a couple of uh examples that I've been involved in. Um And those users were true, utilized the app developer, and uh, built their own uh, piece of that.
0: Well, how about this? How about examples where they were able to go straight to the developer without having to bring IT in as a conduit between the two?
2: Yes, I have.
0: Users and departments come straight to you guys and ask for this. And instead of having to go through this long, drawn-out process of developing code into the app, you guys were able to get it done in a in a short period of time, the way the user asked, not the way IT designed it.
2: Exactly. Yes. And that's been, that's happened before and before <laughs> N- yep. numerous times. Yes. Yep. Yep.
0: All right, Fred, any uh, any additional comments on this, uh, this overall blog?
1: Overall, I think it's neat that the capabilities are there and that you can certainly have a platform that that can assist with this type of you know citizen's developer. I do see John's point in that. I also understand that it can't be the wild, wild west and everybody just do their own development within the system. So there has to be structured to that. And I also say there's people out there with a lot of uh business sense, a lot of knowledge within their areas, but maybe not as a holistic view, we'll have a platform and how the process works the end to end. So I just think I think it's really good. I think it's really neat. I like the concept of every organization having different types of at least business analysts in that area that can help convert what they need from the business to the technology. That's the biggest part. If you have people that understand the technology and the business. I think that's a perfect match. There's just not a lot of people like that. That's that's where I would leave it. Well, you I, have I, one that's unique like that. That's perfect fit. I'm I'm going back to my corporate experience.
0: Uh, I remember the business analysts being highly involved in trying to translate what the business is wanting, and the business always seemed to be at arm's length. This seems like it brings them much more into the conversation, helping the developer and the business analyst
1: understand what it is they're looking for. And I'm saying that business analysts can be that that low code person in the middle is what I'm saying. Some of that mindset.
0: Well, that's an interesting way to look at. It. Now you've just taken now you've just taken a company of x number of developers and added X number of business analysts on top of that, and you've really uh, exponentially grown the, the
1: development side of the house. Well, that's the point of the citizens developer, right? These are not large development tasks. These are just processes, workflows, and a little bit of drag and drop. To do you know what they consider a workflow and service now? Could be very something simple, a three step item that really automates those three things they would do manually. It could take five minutes, and now it takes one second. So, again, right. it doesn't have to be very complicated, but it can be make them more efficient.
2: Yeah, yeah. And, and like you mentioned, the business analyst could probably easily build that. I mean, they're probably flowing it out anyway. Um, so they're just going into the tool and actually doing it, well, dragging I do and these. dropping.
0: I like that you said that too. The right a developer, right? The, the number one thing that you do is be able to workflow it out, flow it out for people to to be able to understand what's supposed to happen, then they write the code. In this case, there's really no code to be written. That that was the development. Yep. Uh Eddie, any thoughts on this before we uh, wrap it up here?
3: Well, no, I would just say to anybody listening to this podcast, if you're in finance or a finance leader, to take a hard look at your current environment. How many? How many? Task or redundant or time killers. And you know, what what can you do to be better? Yeah. This is an application you just that can help you with that, and we can help you with that.
0: Yeah.
3: Yeah. I, you know what? I always
0: take it back to the the, the original maybe office application was the kind of you know, like the, the Lotus applications that really took us away from you know, journaling, financial entries, and into technology. Um, that's really where a lot of the IT and the business side of the world started, and that has remained for many, many years. Uh, but now it's starting to move out into more of this platform type, type workflow owned uh, scenario. Yeah. Um, yeah. You know, Eddie, they reminded me to say this, if you're if you're in this space and you're looking for help, that's, that's why we do these podcasts. So we try to be proactive about addressing uh, what's going on in our industry and having these conversations. All right, John, come back, come to you for the last word um, thoughts on this.
4: Yeah. One last point, you know, a great opportunity. Um, as I said, it just needs to be tempered a little bit. In this case, um, you need to understand which tables are going to be created by these citizen developers, so that we can track that with the licensing. Um, but you know, as long as you're having those conversations up front and you understand what what costs are going into it and what what kind of design you're going to need down the road, um, definitely a great opportunity for business people to get quick wins.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Well, guys, I appreciate you jumping on. We'll, we'll do it again in a couple of weeks. Always good to have these conversations, and I, and I love you know these these podcasting, having these conversations with context around real people who have actually done these projects before, and and see where you know these words come to reality uh, as it relates to getting getting customers satisfied and and business and IT brought together. So, with that, guys, I appreciate the time, and uh, thanks for joining. Awesome. Thank, Thank you. you. Thanks, guys.